Thanks for listening to the CISO Diaries podcast. We're Leah. And I'm Sia. And we started this podcast with the intent to give CISOs and cybersecurity professionals a place to be their authentic selves. These are the unedited stories told of how they got into cybersecurity, their real struggles that they persevered through, their personal anecdotes that make them tick, and the leadership advice based on their own experiences. And we want to especially spotlight those that are contributing and giving back to the community apart from their day jobs. This podcast is for everyone, especially if you're a leader or someone aspiring to leadership. Who knows? You may find yourself working with these awesome leaders. So join us on your favorite podcast player. And please don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, and comment and engage in the conversation. And now let's get to know our CISO on our latest diary entry. Oh, yeah. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of the CISO Diaries podcast. I'm Leah. And I'm Sia. And I, I want to do a quick shout out to our sponsor today, Cyber Future Foundation. They're a nonprofit group of leaders who are focused on driving initiatives and workforce development and cyber peace. And I am super elated to introduce our guest today, special guest. Um, he has become a dear friend of mine in Dallas. He is a mentor. And to be honest, I'd not be where I am in my career today without him. So I owe him huge thanks. He's humble. He's a public servant and much, much more. And we will talk all about it today. But Val Mukherjee, you are the chairman and founder at Cyber Future Foundation. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. It's good to be with you and see. I was waiting for this uh, episode because I think, you know, uh, having been part of this story in the backdrop is always great, but we need to celebrate, right? You guys have done amazing work in the last year, and I'm so thrilled to see all that has happened, from, you know, even through the pandemic, but this was a very timely initiative for both of you. So congratulations to you both. I'm glad to be here. Oh, well, well thank, thank you. you. It's like, well, thank you, hackers out of Russia, making us relevant and needed and all that <laughs> stuff. So it, it, wait, was I was I being too salacious here? Was saying thank you, Russia hackers? No, is that too well, on the nose well, for mean, the joke? Is listening somewhere, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, you right. never know where your fan following comes from. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's sometimes too predictable, sometimes too obvious, but most of the times, I think uh, you know, you have to guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's true. I, and I think no matter what, be prepared, and and that's a lot of what. Well, Val, you'll talk us through today why you, the impetus behind some of the great things that you have done in the industry and the community that the untold story that nobody has heard, well, very few of us, but not necessarily publicly, which is why we're here today. But before we get started on you catching us up to today and the future, Val, talk to us about how you got into cybersecurity. Very, uh, I mean, very circuitous, right? as probably you already have been kind of um, noticing and observing through your different uh, CISO diary episodes with uh, different stories our friends and colleagues in the industry have shared. But interestingly, you know, it's always been in and around cyber. It was called differently, enterprise security, information security, data security. And, and uh, you know, we have been consistently engaged in the industry one way or the other. But honestly, I, I didn't envision a career in cybersecurity, not, not when I graduated out of school, neither when I graduated out of my master's. Both of them were in engineering fields, and uh, I'm a, a crazy problem seeker, and uh, sometimes I solve, sometimes I create more mess than 
you know, and, and then I have to find friends who can, you know, solve with me, right? Um, that, that's probably another consistent thing that you would probably have been listening from our cybersecurity industry leaders, that uh, there, are, there are certain things that we want to share, there are certain things that we, we can and then we have to find a way to get them out. And so I graduated with a double E back in India. I did my undergrad. And, uh, you know, my my minor was computer science. And in fact, I have, I still to this day have my undergraduate. Artificial intelligence was my project, right? So uh, looking at AI now versus it was 20 years back was is interesting to compare. A lot of this is kind of, uh, you know, deja vu because... We knew the formulas. We couldn't. Ha- we didn't have the data or the infrastructure to test it. So I was interested in 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 computer, in uh, in IT, and technology from the get go. But my uh, you know my job started off as an electrical engineer. I was stacking transformers to build transformers that you see here. That's that's what does my internship look like, right? Uh, spending summer stacking transformers, hand, you know, blades hand over hand. Uh, then I went to work in the IT space um, and very quickly got drawn into, you know, more around the the security, which I didn't understand at that point. Honestly, my, my first project was export control handling operations. It was all about data and also how what goods can go be exported out of the U.S. Uh, to other countries and tracking the whole supply chain so that it doesn't land in the countries that we don't want them to, Right. But, you know, what does a graduate out of school with a double E major and AI minor understand at that time, 20 years back? But, you know, I, I, I went, came to U.S. to do my master's and my master's was, uh, and actually I came for a PhD program and I'm a PhD dropout just like probably any other <laughs> yes, Really? You asked me for nuggets, right? So I know, it. didn't know. <laughs> Dropouts yeah. should never feel bad about dropping out because at least you tried. Yes, we tried. Yeah. Yes, we tried. But that was very interesting. And it's very relevant for discussion now why I dropped out. Because, uh, you know, I got my master's as sufficient credits for master's. I published, I, I already published with IEEE ACM, you know, well-recognized in that field of VLSI, electronic design automation, chip design. One thing I couldn't, you know, accept is the fact that we'll be doing all this design in software. And there's no way to actually see them in hardware because all of them, all the fabs are outside, right? Mm. And it is a long wait for a PhD candidate to get your dissertation thesis actually printed in hardware and wait for that. So even though you have done your publications, you have done your dissertation, you know, you're ready. I was for one person wanted to see it actually work. And at that time, 45 nanometer was cool. So all the electronic design automation algorithms for designing chips was around the 45 nanometer uh, and application in, in encryption and application in security. All those aspects really fascinated me, but I really wanted to see them, right? So for me, it was, okay, I'm done here. I can see software when I code. I can see what the outcome is immediately. I don't know. I don't have the patience to kind of go wait for another three years to get just for the getting the degree and the title. I have immense respect. That's why I have immense respect for those that have actually persisted, got the degree and got the, you know, are there doing what they're doing, but not this guy. Um, so so are, are you telling me something here then if I may make a little break here, Val? Are you someone that's trying to get instant gratification that you just didn't uh, like yeah. your work to just disappear in the ether there to uh, validate? Are you a millennial and are you a secret uh, millennial not telling us? 
Oh well, gosh, I'm I'm a, I'm a confused model. <laughs> no, but you know what? The, what you just mentioned now, I I, I knew you had the uh, passion and perspective, and it was uh, very uh, important to you last year around, and it was around the mandates with um, S bombs, right? Software bill of materials, and now I get it from just what you shared. Yep. You got to see, you got to see things. And yes, yeah, yeah. the instant gratification part absolutely <laughs> gives this adrenaline rush that, all right, I coded something, hit run, and it shows up. Uh, <laughs> that's what runs the world now, right? Every technologist wants to see their stuff uh, in front of them. But, you know, the, 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 uh, but I, 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 I don't regret. I think every step of the way, you need to enjoy the journey, you know, to uh, celebrate the the milestones and little wins that you have, uh, but also accept the failures that you have had. So you know, if you look at it, dropping out of PhD might have been a failure, but I don't regret. I think what we have done in the last fifteen years or sixteen years since graduation, I have thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and the journey is full circle now, like working in the energy sector and being very close to what I started off my career with. So that gives the depth of understanding of what it takes to get a electrical power grid running and how to secure it right from the chip to the cloud um so so very very important uh, you know learning on the on the way and I, and from there i went to work for uh, work go back into the workforce and join amdocs i actually worked with amdocs in the uh, in india back in india was one of the first it's, it was called amdocs dvci 47 there are 47 first employees of amdocs in india so i was one of them and a lot of our friends actually came here, so I got the you know good fortune to work with them. And I mentioned that very you know uh, very fondly because it was a certain manager and a certain leader in Amdocs which gave me the break, very clear, distinct cybersecurity break. Um, uh, at the time, I was an engineer; I could code anything, I could build anything you know uh, that some anybody wanted me to. But uh, the focus that I got, and then the learning journey began, right? That was probably five, six years out of after graduation. I, I got that initial break to for the for this industry. Mm, wow. So you got a, it was like a and gateway it, gig, huh? It was a gateway gig. Yeah. And you know, th that's a fascinating story as well. So Amdocs, uh, for those that don't know, is probably one of the most um a very quiet organization probably own 90% of the market of, of telecom billing from electronic data records all the way to the bills that show up on your doorstep. Uh, I think other than two large telecom companies in the world, yeah. the rest of all use Amdocs. And uh, I was in the Champagne office and we were helping the Sprint and, and uh, Nextel merger at that time, right? Unified billing project was a huge deal. And then it, it small group of us were tapped into support um, the Zoom Clearware WiMAX initiative that only Sprint went after, right? Rest of the world went into LTE as we know now and Amdoc and uh, Sprint went into uh, WiMAX. And you can imagine an electrical engineer with the VLSI and electronics background having the excitement to go into that field thinking that we'll build something. And we did. And uh, I have to thank this guy, Tony Marion, who was my manager, and Ramnik Dolaria. These two guys are amazing. If I meet them now, I, you know, I'll give them a big hug for trusting me to lead that team. And uh, between these two guys, 
Uh, I mean, one of the most, some of the most humble managers that I have met, uh, very supportive. We would be on 30, 40 hour calls, like nonstop. And I can't imagine doing anywhere close to that now. Like we get on a go live call that tests everything, the entire telecom and all the way to the customer experience. This four or five of us, some of them actually in Dallas, you know, love you to meet them. Um, and shout out to Neeraj, shout out to I mean, all these guys, I can just go on, like amazing team of, of just five to seven people establishing this huge WiMAX footprint for one of the biggest telecom providers. And we got to do everything from data center setup all the way to testing out the end, end customer usage, right? And my job as, as we went on through that project was security, security, security. I mean, I, I did everything, but I got drawn into that. And one day, Tony told that this needs to be end-to-end secure. And well, you know, well Miki, you got it. Okay, <laughs> that's how things started, and uh, and and it's been never looking back behind that, right? You no, know, just after that. That um, is a fun story. Um, you know, the telecom world, God, it's changed so much, and oh, yeah. I I do I I chuckle when I think of Sprint because I know they've since merged with T-Mobile, but and it was prior, right before them merging. <laughs> I remember my brother and I would always be with my sister-in-law, and anywhere we'd go we would not have signal in certain places, right? She'd always have signal because she was on sprint. And so everyone's complaining, like, I don't have signal. And my sister-in-law would be like, I got it, right? And we're like, yeah, because you're one of five people on sprint. Maybe you should stay on sprint. Um, (laughs) Did you just say that you're one of five people that's on sprint? (laughs) (laughs) People were getting off. People People were moving on to the other providers because they knew like sprint at some point. And then now they are part of T-Mobile, right? But um so you went, you, I, after Amdocs, I know you've held senior leadership roles at Deloitte, Cognizant. You spent, um, you're, you know, part of the Cloud Security Alliance. Um, you know, yeah. you've been part of the Intelligent Transportation Society of America. Um, you've been co-chair of the Intelligent Transportation Cyber Task Force. Um, the convener of Davos Cyber Future Dialogue as part of Davos, Switzerland. And for the last, you know, almost what, six years up until February of this year, you were at EY running um, a cloud security sector with energy and oil. Um, And then you left, so Val. And then Cyber Future Foundation six, almost seven years ago. So what now? And wow. It has been a great journey. You know, I mean, I I reminisce each of the time I spent and the friendship I, you know, I cherish each moment that I spent on each of the organizations. I think, each of the organization that the exit was very well taken and we have kept all those friends together for the longer run. And cybersecurity is a small community still, which is what we are trying to change, right? We're going to make it bigger, make it more inclusive, make, you know, make the funnel bigger. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been a serial social entrepreneur since very early days. So when Cloud Security Alliance was started, bringing it to North Texas was one of my mission. And when I met Jim Ravis, JR and all those folks there, like they were behind it really 100%. And uh, I was not in Las Vegas with the, with the famous 12 group of 12 with CSA, but I was definitely one of the early ones who, who embraced that uh, opportunity uh, to establish a, a, the first, one of the first chapters. Also, I spend, uh, you know, I, I remember spending like nights on like days, day job with Deloitte. And at that time, you know, we had a very small cloud security footprint and everywhere and, and it was still a hype, right? So it was it was taken on with a certain amount of skepticism, which is appropriate for any new technology at that point. But spending time with Jerry Archer, with, with Niels, with uh, with Joe, 
uh, with Jim Ravis and JR and John, you know, all these folks, we spent days working for our day job in the evening and night. We'll sit down and write the guidance, the, the, the 2019, 2020 guidances off, uh, no, 2009, 2008. I'm aging myself a decade back, but those, those couple of years were intense because we didn't have this 120,000 people that are now, right? So, uh, so, but that really shaped up my worldview of cybersecurity practitioners. And what I realized that it's a it's it's a very small world. It's kept small, and we should expand that. And at that time, actually, 2013, I took over as the America's leader for cybersecurity for Cognizant. Um, and uh, I know there was there was uh, right after a couple of stints and also Deloitte. I saw a number of you know there was my skunk works. We we worked with startups all the time in cyber, and it was a still a very small world. So uh, the aperture had to be widened. And in 2013, I got to meet my dear friend and, and a great mentor, Robert Rodriguez from Synet. And he gave me this, you know, kind of expanded my worldview again and, and really gave all these opportunities that, that, you know, I'm getting now is not just by myself. You know, it's been the everybody's like they're putting a stone when you're going to put a step on, right? And those are the gratitude that you have to give back because they have worked hard to kind of push the gravel away and build the road for us. And our responsibility is to do the same for our next generation of, 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 of practitioners, of leaders that will come out. Um, so I'm very grateful for that opportunity. But practically what happened is, and we, we, were, we wanted to bring a cybersecurity you know, event that didn't include, I mean, basically you go to a cybersecurity event or any conference for that matter. You go there and you have this all this talk and you, know, you let your heart out on all these challenges. Come back, get busy with your job, not do what we are actually teaching or preaching, right? That really ticked me off. And, and uh, uh, when I met Harold, and I met Harold as, you know, uh, through the North Texas Crime Commission, been part of that for quite long. It's, it's, a, it's an institution itself. Really amazing. Look that up. North Texas Crime Commission um, is, is that organization where I, you know, initially got to have, And Harold sought me out as I was leading Cloud Security Alliance North Texas. And he was looking for me. Somehow we ran into each other and and it's like, well, can I talk to you? Uh, you know, and uh, we wanted to join North Texas Crime Commission, and we formed Cloud Security Alliance, North uh, um, Texas. I was I wanted to expand the leadership team, and I didn't want another cloud, you know, technology practitioner. I wanted someone who has a broader view of business. So, so I invited Harold to join me, and our friendship began like you know today it is right. Um, so, two of us, along with a few other friends, we met every Friday. And this is another little story that probably is, is very little known is uh, we uh, we used to go for lunch and we'd spend, you know, 15, 20 bucks and not eat the food completely. And I felt very bad about it. Honestly, you know, I, I grew up in a certain situation, circumstance. I, I didn't I didn't appreciate, you know, living food. So what, what I told is like, look, guys, uh, we don't eat, we end up talking more and eating less. So if you want to spend 20 bucks, that's on your budget. Let's let's just order something and leave the rest to charity. So we all found out that everybody likes uh, to, uh, chicken tortilla soup or, or just tortilla soup for that matter, right? So our Friday meetings became this tortilla soup club. And uh, there are other, other Harold's. In fact, there's another gentleman called Harold Strong who was trying to do a cyber summit. And uh, we said, okay, we're going to go set this up. I, I talked to Robert. And uh, we wanted, but our... Criteria was that if you do a summit, you should do build an agenda that is actionable. 
we will hold all the speakers that are coming to the summit to what they say. We'll come back next year and say, and ask you, what have you done? And we will tell you what we have done, right? But again, it's easy to say, hard to do, right? So at that time, Robert invited me to the, to the uh, Hall of Fame dinner for Cybersecurity Hall of Fame dinner in Baltimore, Baltimore and uh, in, in Maryland. And uh, I had the pleasure of being when uh, being there when um, Admiral Rogers was getting felicitated along with others. And uh, it was Admiral Rogers and Robert and a few other, you know, kind of leaders sitting up. And we want we went to the speech. It was it was a great speech. Actually, you can have, uh, you you can look it up. His his speech is recorded, so available. You know, I'm I'm a little bit circumspect about things. So I started noting down the things that he said. And everything was compelling if you're a cybersecurity personnel, right? You understand the problem very well from inside. But if you're an outsider looking into it, it everything seemed to be very glary, you know, very dark. By the way, this whole hoodie picture, I have to, uh, I have to tell you that that's not my favorite representation of cyber, but I understand, I right? Um, it's not this is the this is the exact conversation I had with Robert and that day and, and Admiral Rogers too. That I think everybody thinks that cybersecurity people who are involved in this space are are one or the other hackers or good or bad side, and they go into the basement, put on this hoodie, and do this, you know, silently and darkly. That should not be the image. We cannot actually spread the message of um, of cyber, you know, in a positive way if we do that and. I propose that we build an alliance, Cyber Peace Alliance, which we have, by the way, now. We should, we should check out that Scott Shackleford and, and with the uh, Cyber Peace Institute and Cyber Peace Foundation and putting together this global alliance, um, another probably great organization coming up. But uh, I told, I'm going to look this up and, and see what we can do to turn around this image. And when we have the expectation of peace, liberty, justice that we take for granted in this country, um, it's very physical. Like when it's physical, we get it. But why can't we have the same expectation on the cyber side? We should because we spend so much time there, right? Um, so I'm going to do something about it. And uh, and they were very excited. Like you know, Robert says, well, I've got ch- chills in my spine just thinking about the whole concept of cyber peace. At that time, cyber peace was not a word. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Okay. So I said, okay. So on my way back, I put together the kind of the list of wish list for Cyber Peace Alliance, and I, I dabbled in it. Honestly, 2014, that whole year, it was not a hit. Uh, everybody thought it was like Greenpeace. We are activists at that time. Activism was also cyber activism was a big was a big deal, and cyber activism was negative. Right? It was like uh, anonymous. And I, I was just um, going to say, it sounded like at the peak of when anonymous was going after. Politicians exactly. and that that assumption. Yeah. And by so the way, was, I fully own that image behind me. Okay, so no, you don't actually. Would you yeah, own it? <laughs> yeah, she she did follow ethically the guidelines to copyright it. For the listeners, it's the logo. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I I fully get it. I mean, no disrespect. I, I just say, I'm just saying what I feel. How we should how we can change, right? You know, right. maybe the conversation starts here, but changes into something dynamically in, in a world where people are accepting of cyber as it should be. Um, but anyway, Cyber Peace Alliance did not make a dent anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the next year, I was with Robert, and this time it, uh, this time probably it was Alex Tamos there, and he's an outspoken person, as you probably know. He's very vocal about the things that he feels and talks about. So after the speech again, Robert reminded me, well, 
what have you done for Cyber Peace Alliance? I'm like, zit, nothing. I, I, I mean, it just didn't work out. I was busy and I was trying to find excuses. Okay. Honestly, that's what I think. Um, I, I spent a lot of time on CSAMT, which was my first love, as you probably know. Uh, so Cloud Security Alliance got a lot, lot of my attention. So did my job. Um, so after that, uh, I realized that that's not the way. There is no way out here. Okay. Robert would hold you accountable. <laughs> and, and at that time, everybody knows about Val's doing something. So on the flight back from Baltimore to to Dallas, I wrote this first Cyber Future Foundation. I mean, even Cyber Future Foundation, the name was on a flight back from Baltimore. Oh, that's how you derived from it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what do we call it? And what it should be? And how all, the, all that stuff, right? So, um, so overall, I think, you know, that came out very timely. And at that time, I think President Obama had put together the Commission for Cybersecurity, right? So there was a very active conversation. And now, you know, we have this amazing team at CISA and the leadership team. They were involved in many different ways. Um, and, uh, uh, and one of my friends called and asked me, Val, you have started Cyber Future Foundation. What have you done to kind of document its vision? I, I say, and uh, do you think you want to contribute to this RFI that's out there for NIST? And I didn't know anything about it, honestly, until that Friday was the deadline. And I got a call this mo- that morning. We had our regular Friday meeting. And this time I was at EY office in, in Dallas. And I pulled together the entire team and said, okay, guys, you, you got to, this is what's happening. You guys go ahead and talk. Let me put together this document. This needs to be done by five o'clock today. So five, <laughs> so Five, four hours of non-stop yakking and yakking into the PowerPoint. So you can, you can now see what we put together as the, the recommendations for the future of cyber. And, uh, you know, and, and since things have changed and, and evolved uh, overall, uh, I didn't expect this to be an, uh, the organization that it is today, but we really had big aspirations, especially more actionable. We knew that, uh, we didn't have the bandwidth to go write white papers and all the other stuff. So everything had to be actionable. We meet together, we delve into a problem, we go back and put that to exercise that in our day jobs and then bring back the learnings, right? That's how those iterations have happened. Yeah. Val, if I may summarize, it sounds like to me someone's extraordinarily social, loves their tortilla soup, and has extraordinarily <laughs> well-connected friends that actually know how to execute and deliver on a promise of overall social good, which is about cyber peace overall and the positivity of cyber. So in essence, your basic party guy made a lot of great connections. Just admit it. You fed yourself and you got to drink lots of tasty, you know, iced teas and waters over time. And his (laughs) humble self might nod and say yes to that when indeed we know the tremendous amount of work he has put in over the years to really get so many people involved in a community fashion to spearhead initiatives to solve real big challenges. I just, I can't help but think, do you think, okay, so my experience with cyber is 20 odd years ago when I worked at a network security company and I switched to the data center side. So I'm the, I switched over to IT. What's wrong with IT? Nothing. No, no, nothing's wrong with IT. I just switched over from cyber to IT. Anyway, I know. I, I like to do things backwards. It's much more fun. So Val, let me ask you this. is Do you see, with efforts that you guys are making now, and of course we understand that there are real challenges of diversity, of making our small community less clicky. What's the biggest obstacle to overcome that right now? Do you think it's this bar of entry that we've set 
that has been set forth with, you know, organizations? Is it our own community wanting to open the doors, if you will, to others that may or may not think exactly like us? Is it the misnomer of the hacker, you know, you know, shadow hacker? But what is it that you see? Yeah, I want to add to that to say, was it all of that and or more or other that led you? Because you know, too, you um, as to why you have gone on to now leave EY and continue CFF, um, the dire need of getting talent properly connected to the industry. What have you done to help that along? Because you've done a lot. Well, I think we have done a lot. We are, we are still on the journey and there is a lot to be done. Uh, and this is the learning that I've had with my good friend, Harold, that you always have to focus on the problem because you, your solutions may not be the right, you know, you're like a hammer looking for a nail. So what we have been doing in the last couple of years is, is you know, all the elements that, that CIO outlined, right? They're all parts of the problem. And not one person or one organization can can take a hit at and solve this problem. So the community has to come together. And it's not just the cyber communities. The business communities have to come together. The academic communities have to come together. The government has to support. Um, and, and that is exactly what we are seeing happening. I think, you know, the, the cyber awakening, great cyber awakening that had to happen is happening now. This is the time. And that's why you see, you know, Val jumping out of EY. There are several other uh, news that you're going to get in the next few weeks, months coming that are going to be headlines. But uh, it's not me alone. It's it's a huge group of uh, of leaders that have jumped uh, with their collective experience to to make an attempt to solve this problem um, and and slice the problem down to the several work streams that are needed to uh, you know get to the real solution. So cyber workforce. Uh, and capacity development is a it needs to be addressed as a business problem, and that's what we are jumping on to do. Um, and I I admit that our community as an industry, cybersecurity industry, is very clicky, very uh, inward looking, and uh, we have uh, we have always tried to kind of pull and help and support each other, but not pull someone out, right? So my direct visualization is that we were this group hug on a big round table. And this is the moment we're taking to turn around and see who's around us, right? And look outward and bring more more people in, more more candidates in, both young people who want to uh, have an, uh, what I call a durable career opportunity and make the socioeconomic impact that we look for. Those are the two keywords I ideally want to you know drill into everybody's mind because this is cyber career is durable. It, it, if some, if you give the opportunity to someone, it will change their life. It will also change the life of the family if they are not doing well, right? So see how much of socioeconomic good you can do other than the greatness of protecting the digital world that we live in, right? So it's a very, very good thing. And you should be part of it. You should be proud to be part of it. And we should open up the doors to include more. But you just can't do that you know, randomly, right? Um um, I mean, uh, we definitely are on a charitable mission as a nonprofit from a CFF side, but we definitely understand the business, geopolitical, the the, the different uh, constraints that we have that we have to solve for. And that's why my engineering brain goes like, you know, in this uh, hamster cycle. But um, let me break it down as to what I'm, what my understanding is. And, and most of us kind of agree some of this, but I'm sure there are more others. Right? Number one, Cyber is a complex issue. You cannot just solve for it uh, with with tech, with the uh, academic knowledge, right? 
you need to have hands-on experience. Getting you that hands-on experience involves some sort of risk. That's why the entry level is a problem. Because if I have someone who's just straight out of college, not having the experience and expertise to, to actually make a contribution, configuration, implementation of controls, it's going to be risky. It's going to be a lot of collateral damage that we don't want. You would not want a, you know, the first thing that goes off when there's a cyber data breach or something is like, oh, they had this intern doing this. They had this, you know, they didn't have the right staff or whatever, right? So that's really causing a lot of issue and problem because then, you know, how do you get people the access or how do you get people the experience? So we have to have a constructive way of getting the first job experience and making it meaningfully, um, you know, uh, meaningful so that it, they can apply to the enterprise world where we can bank, where you can go to hospital, where we can actually go for the energy, uh, you know, uh, grades that we rely on. All of this needs experience. And that there has to be a pathway between the academic learning, which is extremely essential. Uh, I'm, I'm not big on getting degrees, but, you know, we can't just chunk them out yet, right? I know we shouldn't. I think your fundamental knowledge is, is important. That's how I learned. That's how each of us have learned some way. And I hope more and more people have access to education, form, formal education, fundamental education, so that their base is strong, right? But we need to build this in as much left shift this as possible and make sure that the digital citizens and the denizens of tomorrow get their experience today to become part of this workforce. So shift this leftward, right? right. Um, second is that um, from a, if you look at it from a business angle, right, financially, it's easier you know, for, for me to stand up a team of 100 people uh, and a place like EY, it would cost me millions of dollars. And, and typically... It would take a year and a half, two years before we we provide that level of uh, you know confidence and quality of service to our customers and clients, right? I, I can't speak on behalf of UI, just speaking out of experience of working for someone like them, right? Um, why don't we shift it towards the final years of education or community college where we give them the hands-on experience and as they come, they come with experience, right? So that's what we are trying to do from the CFF side. That is what my new venture is doing. And, uh, and that is what we are standing up that this whole cyber talent week that's coming up from April 18th to 22nd. Uh, please, you know, distribute in your channels. I think it's going to be a great experience for us to share these experiences and constructively solution this together, right? Um, so, but anyway, bringing it down to those bare bones that need to be, right? You need to have academic pathways that, that are pre pre-graduation or pre-employment. Apprenticeship is a great model. And Leah, you spent a year and a half trying to <laughs> kind of preach the value of apprenticeship for the last year or so uh, to the industry and you show how hard it is. It's not because they don't want to do it. It's because the way the the, the system is set up now, uh, it makes it very hard for, for a business person to invest that much money upfront into this, right? Most businesses have a margin that they guarantee to their you know shareholders and we live in a capitalistic society. We don't want to be that we're fighting against, right? So anyway, I think social good can happen. Commercial benefit, uh, commercial success can also happen. They can be together, but we have to solve this together as a, a nation, as an ecosystem, and as an industry. Leah, remind me, maybe it's not a guess that's been released yet, but didn't someone that we talked to say something to the effect of, you know, cybersecurity is really a vocation. It's not a, quote, career in the context, you actually have to be in it hands-on to get into the the work itself. And I think what you're describing is 
very true, right? We don't throw doctors out there without having, you know, lots of hours working on the human body, right? To understand how all the vascular, what a musculature, all that stuff works together. I can see where cybersecurity has the similar nuances, right? Because it feels like you do have to dig deep. You do have to solve those puzzles beforehand to maybe get a better idea that once you get into the real world, you're not just standing there staring at a wall saying, oh, wow, I got to run through this brick wall. Why do you think, Leah, because you said, and, and Val, you mentioned it, Leah, you were working with Val to try to get corporations on board to take in apprenticeship, where this was a great value from a business perspective. Why do you think you saw so much pushback? I'll comment a little bit, but then I'll say Val said it about that. I mean, he was one of the early ones with this vision he outlined and the framework really that um, could very well work to evolve the entire hiring process and how we solve this problem, right? In the interim, while I'll say organizations, the majority may be catching up to think about hiring differently. So awesome. attribute it to him originally. But I mean, similar things that and why, you know, Val and CFF, the team have put forth this framework and, and this model because, you know, there's HR and hiring managers that they just are going to continue to do things how they've been doing it. And maybe they don't necessarily understand why they should change or, you know, have the means to or the time. There, there could be many factors, right? So there's a large number of them who it'll take time for them to get there. We hope they get there, right? There are some trying to change today, but it's, I think, looking at the different models. And I do want to back up a little bit because Val, you know, our listeners today, it's a couple weeks from now, you will be hosting, um, CFF is hosting and putting on Cyber Talent Week, the week of April 18th. It will be hybrid in DC and you can join remotely, virtually in. What do you hope to accomplish with Cyber Talent Week, Val? Because I know you know a lot of work has been put into it. There's a lot that we can expect out of it, a lot of great conversation. And to your point, you like to always have the conversation followed by the actionable, actionable plan. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I absolutely expecting a lot and and probably so after putting in so much uh, the team and everyone putting in so much hard work into this in such a short time but it's not in the last six months that we planned this right I mean the overall plan overall on trying to deconstruct the problems associated with cyber talent has been has become a personal passion so while our summit is three days we we put an entire week of of focused problem solving through that cyber talent week and there was no way to get it done, but to slice it down into time zones. So uh, we are going from coast to coast across North America, seeking to throw spotlight on the things that are working and also bringing out the issues and challenges that people are facing to get into cyber and also hiring. You'd hear this, I can guarantee you'd hear this from the CISOs themselves that they want to hire faster. They want to hire a diverse crew, but they can't. And why is that? How do we dig into it? So it's not a CISO problem. It's not a cybersecurity industry problem. It's also the business process problem that we have to solve, right? Where are the bottlenecks of HR? And Leah, you and I have traveled, you know, extensively across the country talking to, um, you know, different uh, employers. And, and we have also signed up HR people who wanted to do this but couldn't do this. So, so that's what we are exploring this through the entire week. We are deconstructing this problem, identifying roadblocks, 
showing, throwing spotlight on areas of success and making sure if you are doing something, let others share and do the same thing. And, and potentially through this week, we'll curve out something that is actionable, some, some good practices that can be followed across the business, across the stakeholders. And these will include the entire C-suite, not the CISO, entire C-suite and, and with the support of the board. So this, uh, the, I mean, this is really bringing all the stakeholders together and also in the same vein, providing spotlight to some of the really good talented people that you've run into. I mean, you know, shout out for this, this kid, Caleb Ork, who you probably met at, at the Augusta, uh, Georgia Cyber Center. Mm-hmm. We won't have been, we won't have known about this kid and the hard work that he's put into getting to cyber, but look at what a diamond, you know, in the rough that yeah. we're going to cut out. So, so throw some spotlights on that and see how we can give access to these talented people or those that aspire, aspiring a career in cyber uh, to get into cyber, make their roadways easy. And what our leaders have done in the past for us, we do the same for ours. Now we have a bigger volume, bigger voice and a place in the leadership. So, so apply that. And with this amazing team that's on the national security, uh, you know, group in, in, in DC, I, I believe we have a, we have a heck of a chance to actually get it done this time, right? And then remind me, or us, everyone, how many countries, because you're very much global focused, is it 42 mm-hmm. countries now? It's about 42 mm-hmm. countries now. That's that. That's right. You know, again, uh, a lot of this is through partnerships that we have uh, with a lot of, uh, you know, representations from different countries, um, except for Antarctica, we are <laughs> virtually every other continent. Um, uh, again, you know, we are not we are not a marketing focused organization. We are action focused, as I mentioned. And uh, thank you for for being a voice for us. And I really appreciate uh, getting the story out. Um, but again, the the you know the proof of the pudding is in eating it. So as much action as we can pump into this business and industries is good. Um, as, and the same reason we went to Davos, you know, there was not a cyber focus there. They were talking about cyber business was all about it. But uh, I went there uh, and all of my friends came along with me for that arduous journey in the middle of January, in the middle of winter. Uh, and we saw the worst uh, winter storm in, in Davos that year, first year, um, with no, with possibly no experience to getting over it uh, and almost getting killed in the night trying to find a bus, shuttle bus back to the hotel or the place we are staying. I mean, all that because we want to bring cyber closer to the business and the leadership, it, you know, that got us that tension. And I believe that's how, you know, this has become a global brand of, of leadership in cybersecurity because we took those, you know, steps that would somebody would think crazy. But looking back, I think this was necessary for us to bring us uh, in the, you know, big picture, right? So Cyber Talent Week is another ambitious project. We definitely... Uh, are looking for the inaugural edition, uh, probably, you know, even if 50% of what we have planned gets done, I think we'll be tremendously successful. And we are planning to make this an annual event. So what we learned from this year will be action next by next year through the many steps that we have in between the roundtables and the summit that's coming up in October. Um, so every step of the journey, we we make sure that we take note of the progress and, the you know, the failures that we, um, that we encountered. You know what I'm so impressed by is it takes, you know, they say it's like it builds a community, you know, to raise a child, right? It's almost like you guys are doing opposite. You're taking, you're rallying the grassroots to really just chug that train along, you know, and you're, but you're adding more ropes to the, you know, to pull that train, if you will. I feel like it's, you guys are on the right path. I, I, 
I think as long as we continuously evolve our society to embrace technology as it is, and I've said this before and Leah always laughs at me, but if a toaster has an IP address, okay, cybersecurity matters to everyone, even my mom and dad, right? Like that's where... Oh, I don't laugh. It is 100% true. <laughs> well, because yeah, well, no, I just like I, to say a toaster needing an IP address. But you know what? Apparently, exactly. people like their toast nice and warm when they walk over and get their little coffee and have breakfast. Or in someone yeah. else's case, when they have crackers and cookies in the morning with their coffee. <laughs> now, Val, I love this. So can I ask you this? Because I, I, I need help on what is your advisement? Because I talk to a lot of folks that are new in their careers, and there are those that are switching careers, okay? So you have a big gambit of different types of experiences and personality types, et cetera. I'm finding myself giving a lot of instruction for individuals. I don't recall needing to give this, this many level of detailed instructions before. Is that something that you're seeing as well, or is it just maybe my little um, anecdotal experiences skewing how I view up-and-coming talent? No, I think you you are right because the options are so you know now especially with the remote uh, opportunities there are so many options right why would someone work hard to get to cyber when they can just take up any other uh, opportunity in digital or product or anything right uh, cyber is a hard problem and it needs to have a very thoughtful approach it doesn't matter whether a young person getting into cyber or a career transitioners with a lot of professional experience but not cyber experience right. So I think they 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 are facing the real problems, and that's how you are getting the experience of of question from people that want to know more. And and we are doing the same thing. The challenge is how do we scale that, right? How do we make sure that there you no know, CIA has only so many hours in the day after doing all that podcasting and the day job and everything, right? And so is Leah, and so does Val. So how do we make this scalable? Uh, we do have an, uh, you know, kind of an initiative within Cyber Future Foundation um, called Society of Mentors, um, which we we have it open for those that are that are DOL apprentices. But I am absolutely open to explore uh, if somebody is willing to get on that, you know, spend their time and ask questions to um, leaders. And I'll tell you, the only reason maybe somebody is not able to get back is because they're busy, and then that's not an excuse. That's a real fact. Right. Um, uh, we we have we you know most of the cyber industry people they do ten people's job in one person, which is very very hard. Um, and all um, you know salute to those that are in the SOC and operational elements like that are that is a very yes. tough job. Um, but overall, cyber is a, is a tough industry. So ask those questions because that will that will kind of make your expectations real. Right. You you can't be a rock star coming in and do all the right things. Um, there is no recipe yet for that, but but that is another thing that we're trying to do. You know, the the new code that we're putting together is is, is I'm I'm excited and thrilled, and every day of this journey has been so so rewarding because everything that we have learned in the way we're trying to productize and make it available, and that's what we're going to do in the next couple of months as as things come up. Um, but please uh, please redirect your questions when you don't have the bandwidth. You know, ask me, ask our friends. We'll we'll. We can, we are happy to put this on the newsletter and say, okay, these are the frequently asked questions from uh, from those that are trying to get into cyber, right? Let let there be a crowdsourced answer for this, right? Uh, and the podcast is a great mechanism to get that because you're reaching out an audience that is broad, that's uh, that has been there, that has not been there, and that makes back is what is required to make this, you know, enrich this industry. So so yeah, you're not alone in this. Uh, neither neither the carrier seeker nor the carrier mentor. 
right? We, we have to do this together. And and let's scale this up. Okay. Let's use every resource we got. Yeah. I mean, Val, I think we've been waiting for a long time to have your story be told more than just in the walls of the members and all your friends that stretch, um, you know, global on all many countries, 42 and more. Um, I want to say thank you for being here with us today, for sharing so much and, and giving um, us the opportunity to get that story and message across. It's very important. All the work that you've done, the team has done, you have driven with the community. I'm excited for everything to come. And, you know, I know now you've got, I want to say just a little bit more time, not a lot, because I know what it takes. We know, we both know what it takes all of us do who have been, have that entrepreneurial spirit to really get a company off the ground and can't thank you enough. And personally, thank you for being the friend and mentor to me that you have been in the last, has it been two plus years? It feels longer, which is a good thing. But closing up here, what is your number one call to action for everybody in the community? I'll lend a hand and support others in this journey because we need your help. I mean, never be turned down by one person turning you down, right? There's always turn around and ask for more help. Be relentless in your pursuit. If this is a career you choose, I hope you choose this career and be eternally rewarding, not only for yourself as a cyber career seeker, but as a cyber career professional, when you get there, it'll be extremely rewarding and you'll do a world of good to many people that you call family and home. So be relentless and pursue your dreams. Oh, I love you, Val. You know, you're with what you're doing, I hope everyone really understands what an inspiration this is. Because you know what? Sometimes, yeah, you're going to have to, you know, bootstrap yourself to do it and get what you want. But sometimes it's so nice at times to know there's something out there that really does have your best interest in place. So, Leah, do you have, uh, have any parting thoughts? I just, you know, it's been fun getting to know you and being part of CFF. I want to uh, hope to continue to be and just really excited to see where things go. Val, you've just been at the tip of the sphere for so much of this. And I'm thankful. I know the community is thankful. And I just, I can't thank you enough today and personally too. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you both. Um, this is uh, This is a life's work for all of us. So thank you. Hey, our pleasure. And you know what, guys, on that note, before we go into our super love fest and have tortilla soup together, I think this is a great <laughs> ending for another CISO Dyer's entry. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you.